So we're finishing up our little trilogy, our three-part series on living our legacy. And so today I want to start with you, and we're going to talk about three different scriptures, one, two from the Old Testament, one from the New Testament. Um, so here's the first one that comes from the book of Deuteronomy, the sixth chapter. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. These commandments, as Moses says, that I give you today are to be on your hearts and press them on your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you're walking along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them to your foreheads. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. From 1 Chronicles, the 22nd chapter, the 5th and 6th verses, 13 and 14. David said to Solomon, my, my son Solomon is young and inexperienced and the house to be built for the Lord shall be of great magnificence and fame and splendor in the sight of all the nations. Therefore, I um, make great preparations for it. So David made extensive preparations before his death. Then he called for his son Solomon and charged him to build the house for the Lord, the God of Israel. I've taken great pains to provide for the temple of the Lord 100,000 talents of gold, a million talents of silver, quantities of bronze, iron to get great to be weighted, wood, stone, and you will be added to them you have many workers, stone cutters, masons, carpenters, as well as those skilled in every kind of work, in gold and silver, bronze and iron, craftsmen, would be on number. Now begin the work, David says, and the Lord be with you. And for the book of John, the 13th chapter, 12 through 15. So when he had finished washing their feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. And Jesus says to his disciples, do you understand what I have done for you? He asked them. You call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for the, that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Legacy. What is a legacy? This is how I began the last few sermons. Here's the third. A legacy is the lasting impact in the world. It's a gift that's passed down from generation to generation, generation, money, property, or even stories. It also can be a business or a profits from a business set for a foundation or charity. Leaving a legacy means dreaming big and changing the world for the better. I like that definition. This last week I was going through a few things and um, I found this. I'd actually shared it maybe, I don't know, a few years ago. I, I thought it was actually very powerful. 50 regrets everyone has over 50. Don't let, don't let miss opportunities turn into a lifetime of regret. So um, here's part of the list. I'm not doing more for others, not nurturing good relationships, getting divorced, holding on to grudges, not preparing the ki their, their kids for independence, not spending more time with your kids, being too tough on yourself, quitting school, working too much, not saving more, not being more adventurous, not eating healthier, letting friendships just fizzle out, not apologizing more, being ungrateful, taking life just too seriously, spend too much time worrying. Here's the last one. Not leaving a legacy. Then I flipped over in, in the same article that I read several years ago. So um, it talked about, well, here's 50 things that can actually change after you turn 50. Conquering a long-held fear, adopting a pet, connecting with old friends, taking up yoga, run a race, volunteer, take dance lessons, forgive someone, make amends with your ex or exes. 
Give money to give more money to charity. Make a will. See their northern lights. Tell people you love them more. Here's the last one. Smile more. Yeah. That was actually a very good article. I, I was thinking once again this week about, you know, these kind of key questions that kind of set this sermon up tonight. Today. Um, so what really here's the four here are the four key questions. What really matters to you? Number two, how do you want to be remembered? Number three, how are you going to measure your life? And number four, what is the legacy that you hope to leave behind? So I was talking to my son, Luke, uh, this week. Luke is the one who's my middle child. Um, he just got his doctorate from Nova Southeast University in, in clinical psychology. Um, and um, he just got, actually, he's t- doing that. And then he also got another job at, the, at UConn, at University of Connecticut. He's going to start teaching there this next semester. If you looked at Luke, Luke does not look like a professor. He doesn't really look like a doctor of clinical psychology. He looks more like the guy that leads the winter, uh, whitewater rafting trip. That's what he looks like, you know? So you don't joke, uh, judge a book by his cover. Uh, but, you know, I have kind of this conversation with Luke um, this last week. And, um, Usually, I'm, when, I, when I'm walking Charlie the, in the evening, into, into the day, I, I usually maybe call one of my kids and we just have a conversation. I've really always enjoyed my little conversations with Luke because he always has really great insight on life. So I was talking about my sermon this week, and he says, well, Dad, what are you preaching on? I said, well, I'm talking about legacy this week, Luke. And then I said, well, Luke, you know what? Mom and I have really tried our very best to leave a, a powerful legacy for you and your, your brothers and your sister. And um, I said, by the way, do you remember like when you, were, when you were a little boy and we would sit around as a family and we would go around and have prayer time? And every one of our kids, all seven of us would sit around, you know, and we'd turn off the TV and just before they would go to bed and each one of them would have a prayer before we went to bed. I said, do you remember that? Look, and I said, oh yeah, dad, I remember that. And I said, do you remember like um, before Christmas, and we still do this, um, and we did it through uh, their childhood. I did through my childhood. My father would insist, before we'd open up our Christmas presents, he would insist that we, he would turn to the Bible and he would say, before we can open any presents, we have to read the Christmas story. And do you know, when you're 10 years old, what a drag that is. You know, I'm just telling you that. But we, my dad, my dad would read the Christmas story for the gospel of the second chapter, the, the shepherds watching their flocks. About a, man, and so we, we would read it and then I would open my, my gifts. And we still do that. That's part of our hindrance. That's part of my father's legacy in my life. And I asked Luke, I said, do you remember that? He said, oh yeah, I remember that. I still do. So then we were talking a little bit about, um, a little bit about life. And I said, you know, Luke, um, and I was reflecting back about six years ago when my father died, I really thought that I was going to have to carry that memorial service, um, um, being the pastor and being the son. I just felt like I'm, you know, and so, but you know, I didn't carry that service. Actually, my kids carry that service. Each one of them got up and talked about my father and their grandfather. And what was very interesting is that each one of them had something unique to talk about their grandfather, some little some little snippet that, and each one of them was very different. And so I said, Luke, do you remember what you said? He said, oh yeah, I remember what I said. I said, you know, I reminded him, I said this, um, my father used to load up all five of the kids, load them up in the car and take them down to the nursing home and see my Aunt Boom. She was bedridden, she was dying. And my father would um, take her um, a a candy bar and he'd take her a Diet Coke because that's what she liked. And that would bring a little joy to her heart. And so my father would take all the kids and they would go and stand around her bed and my father would 
talk to her and dote on her a little bit. So out of all the things that Luke could have picked that was a reflection of his relationship with his grandfather, he talked about standing around my Aunt Boone's bedside when she was dying and how my father loved his sister. That's the one thing that he chose to talk about. I said, well, Luke, you know what? It's interesting. That's, that's a great memory, isn't it? You know, um, a legacy that my father, your grandfather, that was it. And then you know what he said to me? And I actually, um, I, I, when he was talking, I went home and actually wrote it down on this little piece of paper because I thought it was so simple, but it was very profound. And um, so I wrote it down. This is what he came from Dr. Luke. He says, you know, Dad, your memories are incredibly telling about really what matters most to you. Your memories. Now, what's very interesting about that comment is, you know, Luke is a clinical psychologist, so he deals with memories every day, right? We all have things, little things that happen in our life. And, and here's the interesting thing. When you're a clinical psychologist, um, when it comes to memories, some of those memories can be really good, but some of them can be pretty horrific. I mean, he spends all day kind of unpacking some, a lot of people's kind of darker memories, to help them deal with whatever they're dealing with. And it could be maybe some kind of abuse in their life or maybe some kind of post-traumatic thing, some kind of crisis. So this is what he does. He deals with people's memories. And according to him, your memories are incredibly telling about kind of what really matters most to you. Well, you know, it's very, in, very interesting. Um, um, Luke was born in actually Ocala. And I um, remember the um, Donna's uh, OBGYN, G-U-I-N, when he came in, he was incredibly organized. Um, we liked him. We had met him several times. But then when he walked in the room that day, he turned to Donna and says, well, Mrs. Hendron, I want you to know uh, today, you know, you're going to give, we didn't know if he was going to be a boy or girl. He says, this child that you're about to have, because she was about to give birth, he says, um, he says, I want you to know, this is the, my 12,360th delivery. And I think, oh, that's interesting, right? I mean, he, who counts that? But he did. He says, you know, yeah, he's going to be, or she's going to be by 12,360. I'm picking a number out, but that was basically what he was saying. So what was very powerful in his mind, I guess part of this doctor's legacy was how many children he continued to deliver. Yeah. I also reminded Luke the other day, I said, you know, cardiologists, they save lives every single day. I mean, that's what they do, right? They, you know, if you have a cardiologist, they, if you have, a, have gone through open heart surgery, they're meticulous and they deal with someone's heart and they save lives. I mean, they might save two or three lives in one day, right? And then I, I actually text Luke this week after that whole little conversation I'll let you into my little inner world. I said, you know what, Luke, Luke thanks for our legacy talk. Um, I said, by the way, if you have any other great new legacy quotes, make sure you send them to me. And I said, you know what, Luke, you're a part of my legacy. You are, you're, um, you're doing the Lord's work in healing people's hearts and souls and minds. I said, Luke, I want you to know a cardiologist focuses on, on healing people's hearts physically, but you're doing something just as significant. And what I mean by that, maybe Luke's legacy, and it's all said and done after he, he just started his career, over in the next 40 years, maybe Luke's legacy is how many people's lives he saves by them not taking their own life. Maybe that 
is part of that kid's legacy. I don't know. We'll see. But I do know he says, you know, Dad, your memories are incredibly telling about really what matters most to you. You know, I'm doing a um, busy week. I, I've, I'm doing three funerals in seven days. A lot of funerals. I won a lot of part last week. I got, I got one a Tuesday and then Wednesday. You know what's interesting about funerals? And, um, you know, most of you probably have gone to memorial service here. And when you come in, we, we try to really do our very best to be pay attention to details and make sure that people feel, you know, loved and appreciated. And, and this is a very sensitive time. And, but you know what's very interesting is that we ask and encourage people, hey, listen, can you just bring us your pictures and we'll put a kind of a montage on this little magnetic table, uh, this, this kind of chart for you. And, and, um, and we would be happy to do that. And so what's very interesting is that people bring their photographs in and they also bring like little things that kind of represent the person's life. Might, like if they were into sports, they might have a few medallions or, you know, or uh, maybe they were in the Harley club or, you know, there are all these little things. On the t- we have those things as well. But what's very interesting is I found that these little snapshots represent the person's life. So like, for example, you know, usually you know, like it may be something from their childhood with their brothers and sisters, and maybe they're in the military. There's a picture of the snapshot, and there's another picture of when they had some of their children, and then there's other places in their life. As you've seen, it's chron- kind of a chronology of their person's life, right? And it goes through, it's a progression of life, and when they retire, and with their grandchildren, their great-grandchildren, and does anybody ever go on cruises here? You, know, they got, you see a lot of cruises, right? And so it's like these little snapshots of life, their, their legacy. <laughs> you know, I brought a visual in today, just kind of a funny thing. I'm pretty sure when it comes to my legacy, when I'm, you know, I'm, I'm really not thinking that my kids are really could care less that I've got this Kentucky Colonel thing. I don't think this is going to be my legacy. I don't know if my kids could really care less that I actually went through and I found in my archives yesterday, the candidacy for ordained ministry back in 1986. There it is. I became a candidate for ministry. There's that piece of paper. Then I, uh, uh, here's another really important thing I have. I, I won the reindeer run and I came in first place in 1995. That was really big, right? So that's part of my legacy. And then, and then, of course, I got my diploma from Florida Southern College. You know, I, and I'm thinking, is this really my legacy? Or, you know, what's going to happen with this when I'm, you know, when I'm finally dead and gone? You know where most of this stuff's going to go? It's probably going to go in the garbage. <laughs> and that's the truth. My friend Joanne Webb, I just did her memorial service. I love Joanne. Matter of fact, I got a picture of Joanne Webb and her husband, Ron. It's a, what's a it's great little snapshot. You know what's interesting about Joanne, just highlighting her, is that, um, oh, wow. You know, um, if, if she, I, I, the title of my message for her was um, Characteristics of an Avon Lady. She was an Avon Lady. I didn't know she was an Avon Lady. So what's very interesting is about, you know, oh, by the way, um, she was really good at Avon Lady. Matter of fact, if she, um, if they, if Avon gave out pink Cadillacs like Mary Kay, she would have had three of them. That's how good she was. But what's really interesting about Joanne Webb, she really was, it, it wasn't about the Avon. She was all about really selling relationships and loving people. That's why she was so successful. I mean, she was a really good businesswoman when it came to that. 
but she was really good at being kind and gracious and giving. Matter of fact, um, she was always giving me things, and me and Donna. Matter of fact, this is um, something she gave to me. Here's why I'm at the little visual aid. It's a, I don't know. I can't remember. She gave me the cross, and then Donna put this in a frame, or it came this way. I don't know. But she was always giving me gifts. She was always giving me cards. She was always sending me emails. And it was very interesting when I always knew when I got an email from Joanne Webb because it was in all capital letters, and I thought she was yelling at me, but she really wasn't. It was kind and gracious snapshots of your life your legacy. So Moses is standing there. I love this story. I just read it. And this is a great story. So Moses is 120. He's an old geezer. He's about to kick the bucket. He knows he's not going to be able to go into the promised land. God already told me he's not going to go into the promised land. He's been wandering around for 40 years with these somewhat ungrateful people. Right? You know, it's interesting. You think about Moses' snapshots. I've got this, this one on my run. You know, if you look at the snapshots of Moses' life, I mean, you know, okay, so let's make sure we get the burning bush up there, right? Okay, and let's just make sure that we that get the moment when he led the children of Israel out of bondage. Okay, there's a snapshot. Okay, and then, oh, wait a minute. We got to make sure there's the part that Charlton Heston, when he holds up his staff and he parts the, the Red Sea. That would make a snapshot. Wouldn't that be a great, I mean, that would have to have been on his little banner out there, you know, when people came for his memorial service. And But then here's the interesting thing about, you know, his final snapshot is when he gathered all the children of Israel together. And he says to them, I got something really important to tell you. And he says, oh, children of Israel. Oh, oh, oh. Oh, hear, hear, hear these words. And he made it very, very clear to them how important it was for them to be able to hear. And the word there literally means uh, listen. It's called the sama. And I, I thought this was really interesting is that um, when I went back and kind of did my, let me just teach for a second. When I thought it was pronounced shima last night, but then someone corrected me who knew Hebrew. It's evidently called sama. Um, and so here are the five key words about hearing, oh, Lord, Lord, it's the word hear, love, all, one, tell. Can you say it with me? Hear, love, all, one, tell. Okay, so when, when he says hear, oh, Israel, or listen, or here's the, hear, literally means, or listen, hear, listen up, oh, Israel, or listen up, hear, hear these words. And hear means an action or to do, to allow the words to sink in deep in order to respond. It's an action word, respond with loyalty and faithfulness into a covenant. So the first word is here. Here literally means sama. And the second word is the word love. And so love in Hebrew, literally, it's not that kind of warm, fuzzy kind of word. It's not kind of a kind of just kind of crazy kind of love for you. No, no, no. It's, it's the love out of obedience and faithfulness between you and God to listen to love. And listen and love actually went to interesting are tightly woven together. Hear, O Israel, listen. Love the Lord God. Okay, then he talks about the word all, and that's really important. Love the Lord God with all your being, every ounce of your being. Love with all your actions, with your obedience, your faithfulness, the, the covenant made between you and God. That's what it means to love. Love the Lord God. And then he goes on and says the word one. And why do you put the one word in there, the word about that? There is one God. Well, guess what? 
the children of Israel have been in bondage for 400 years. And who's been holding them captivity? Egyptians. And would the Egyptians have a lot of gods? So he says, listen, hey, you got to get this right. There's only one God. Love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And listen, and by the way, let me put this in the Ten Commandments. You have no other gods before me. None of these other gods. So let's be really clear about that. The Lord, so we have the word all there, and we've got the one word there. And the last word is the word tell. And what's very interesting, now Moses made it very clear. He says, listen, tell your children. This is a daily prayer, and you're impressing upon their hearts, their being. This is Moses' life. It's not about Moses. It's about Moses' message to the children of Israel. The legacy is the message found in the Shema. Hero Israel. And he, he says, so this is really, really important to Moses. When he gathers all together, he knows he's about to kick the button bucket and he knows that he says, listen, make sure you impress upon your children and they tell their children and they tell their children. You get it? So of all the things that lo, lo, the, the legacy of Moses is not them leading them out of bondage. It's not spending 40 years with sometimes ungrateful people who moaning and groaning. It's, it's not about parting the sea, all these incredible snapshots of, of Moses' life. No, 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 no. Moses says, let's get this right. Hero Israel, the Lord is one. Love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength. And he says, listen, make sure you tell your children. Tell them in the morning, tell them during the day, tell them when you're walking, before they go to bed, when they rise up, tell them, remind them over and over and over again. Now that is Moses's legacy. Hero Israel. So I think it's really interesting when you think about all this in perspective and how important that was to Moses. You know, I, I think about um, my life, maybe you think about your life and about impressing upon my children. Matter of fact, I had two kids last night who actually came to church. This was wonderful, right? Listen, don't ever give up on your children. Can they bend on that? Listen, I, I, you know, I love my kids. I'm glad that they, you know, um, they were in town. One of them came in town last night. He came to church. He didn't have to come to church, but he came to church, right? And so, let me tell you something about your legacy. Your legacy is how you laid the foundation for your kids. And just in my conversation I had with Luke this last week, he hasn't forgotten. He knows where he has come from. So chances are, I don't know, I doubt Luke's in church this morning. I'm just telling you. Actually, I think he's in New York City. Hanging out. Enjoying life. But let me tell you something about your legacy. Your legacy is the foundation you've already laid, and your legacy is they continue to watch your parents and your grandparents. It's still part of your legacy, who you are. So I was thinking about that this week and about, you know, legacy and so on. And I came to this little part, and I put this in one of the questions this week. How are you really going to measure your life? I love that. Matter of fact, that was a question that was raised by Clayton Christensen. He was a Harvard master, had an MBA. He was talking to his students one day. He says, listen, how are you going to measure your life? That's an interesting question, isn't it? I mean, like some investors measure their, how well they're doing by dollars, or teachers me- or have to measure their, their, well, how well they're doing by teaching scores, or preachers kind of measure how well they're doing by average attendance or if you're a 
if you're a pitcher in the major league, you have an ERA. If you're a quarterback, you got a quarterback rating. A defensive lineman, get it by sex. I mean, they have all this stuff kind of going on. I thought it was interesting that, you know, the NFL actually has this thing called the Walter Payton NFL Man of the Year Award. And so the man of the year awards named after Walton Patron, who was one of the greatest running backs ever, who had just great integrity, great class. And it's about someone who ultimately has done incredible things, not only on the field, but also to honor their commitment to their community and how, and how they've impacted other people. So there's a, here's a picture of Russell Wilson, who with, that's the Walter Payton award. That's what a picture of Walter Payton. And so, and, and the next picture is Drew Brees. And so let me tell you something. If you see a guy that has that little uh, logo, so you got the C for captain, but that little logo on the right hand side, that's a picture of Walter Payton. And so if you, there's only very few of those people who actually have that on their jersey. So Drew Brees is retired. He's going to have this great legacy of being a great NFL player. He's going to end up in the Hall of Fame. But probably, you know, let me tell you, one of the most important things of Drew Brees' legacy? Well, here's the interesting thing. Drew Brees has a foundation this is what his foundation, it's called the Breeze Dream Foundation, improving the quality of life of cancer patients and providing care, education opportunities for children and families in need. So the stats are great, but maybe that's even better. So I, I think I got a picture of Drew Brees and his family, and there's his foundation. Uh, St. Francis Assisi one time put it this way, he talked about, you know, and, and giving we receive, like that, and giving receive. I mean, that's kind of the antidote to narcissism, isn't it? And giving we receive. Once upon a time, Jesus was um, uh, there in the upper room, and um, he, and I read this, read this piece, part of the piece of scripture, so there they were, he knows he's gonna die tomorrow, and disciples are arguing about who's the greatest, blah, 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 blah. Jesus goes over and he goes and gets the water and the pitcher over here and gets the towel, girds himself. He gets up and washes all their defeat, including Judas. And then Jesus says, I'm just giving you an example. What did Jesus do? He gave us an example of a legacy. Jesus gave us, this is part of Jesus' legacy. Matter of fact, we only find the gospel of John. We don't find it Matthew, Mark, and Luke, but we do find it in John. Jesus' example of what it means to be a servant. Jesus' servanthood of legacy. Jesus' generosity of his legacy because he's gonna give his life in the next day, right? So we got, we got that. And, the ornament, and don't miss the detail in Jesus' sacrifice of his legacy. We got all of that. Thought this is really interesting about generosity, sacrifice. So I got this email from a part of our a member of our church, and they were talking about, um, and he impressed upon me uh, about this particular thing. You know, they when it came to giving, when they came to the villages, they were retired and they were trying to figure out how they're going to make ends meet, and they're kind of projecting. They got a very modest house. They actually even took out a mortgage on the house, which is kind of unusual because most people, when they come, they just buy a house. And, and so, and they were concerned about, you know, future medical bills. And so he says, but then we came up with the idea. He says, you know, I guess they were concerned about maybe not being able to give as much money at this point in their life um, because, once again, they wanted to make sure they had enough. But then he says, then, Harold, then we got an idea. I'm reading from his email. Something we had never considered. Why don't we give our church a legacy? 
He says, after we both will pass away, our legacy will take effect. It was, it was as if a heavenly message came to us. We, we, we knew moving to Florida necessitated changing our trust. So after meeting with our lawyer and a meeting with our church persons and our legacy, he says, we drew up the necessary documents. And so evidently part of their legacy is part of their will and trust, and it's in a safe over here in our church. He says, you know, that has given us a peace of mind that we had seeking. Uh, thank you, Jesus. The value anticipated our legacy, but after we both pass, far exceeds the amount of tithing each year times the total of our anticipated remaining years. So in other words, they have left their, their, all their assets to the church. Wow. And he says, Harold... Matter of fact, he shared with me this week. He says, Harold, you need to talk about this. He says, you know, considering the average age of cu couples in our church membership leaving a legacy by just a fraction, say you only got 10% of 2,000 members, that would be 200 people. Wow, what? That could be substantial. So the idea was their legacy is that they were going to leave their trust to the church and knowing that that was going to continue to be their legacy long after they died. So they just made me stop and think, you know, what if, what if we just gave 90% to our kids and left 10% to the church? That would be our ongoing legacy. Yeah. Then we have this last little story today, and I know I've got to write this up. I love the story of David and his legacy. You know, he's, he tells Solomon, oh, by the way, by the way David, David knew he couldn't build the temple. He wanted to build a temple, but he couldn't build a temple. You know why he couldn't build a temple? It's because he had too much blood on his hands. Too much blood in his hands. So he gets, he says, Solomon, I need to talk to you. He says, I have set aside enough cash to bankroll the temple. And so he, he says, I can't build it, but ultimately my legacy is building this temple. So you're going to build the temple. And he did. It was a beautiful, matter of fact, we got a picture. There's a picture of the temple. I don't know what that would cost nowadays, but I'm sure it'd be a lot of money. It stood for 400 years until the Babylonians came in, knocked it all down. We had the Babylonian captivity, whole thing. And they rebuilt it. So you know what's interesting is that even David wanted to make sure that he left a legacy that was connected, connected to a place of worshiping, honoring God. Yeah, his legacy. So I close with these two little things today about our legacy. I give you some food for thought. I've tried to teach something about, you know, what's it mean to love God with all your heart? It means to be faithful, listening, hearing, all these things. We got one true God, okay. So here's, um, I got two little books up here. The, uh, um, the first book is a Bible. This was, um, this was my father's Bible. And my father evidently loved this Bible. He loved it to death um, because at some point, evidently, it started falling apart and he took electrical tape and taped it together. <laughs> and who gave him this Bible? Well, it's on the front page. It says to Reverend H.M. Hendren from Mama and Daddy, 1959 Christmas, to our son. It was in my grandmother's writing. I still have the Bible. Second thing I have is my grandfather's journal. Goes back to 1918. Matter of fact, I got a picture of my granddaddy. That's Dr. G.R. Tomlin. He received his doctorate from um, Asbury College. 
I started preaching in 1918, became actually an ordained pastor in 1920 in the Kentucky Conference. What's very interesting about this little journal, he wrote down everything. And um, he wrote down um, his first two, the, the scripture lessons for his first two sermons evidently he preached in 1918. And the first one he preached, I love this, I, what's my favorite text? One of my favorite texts. It's the text where Jesus goes, down to Caesar, goes up to Caesarea Philippi and says, hey, by the way, who do they say that I am? Well, some think you're Elijah, some think you're John the Baptist, some think you're private, but who do you say they am? And then Peter says, you're the Christ, you're the son of the living God. That was the text my grandfather preached his first sermon on. The second text he preached his second sermon on was Zacchaeus, climb up on that sycamore tree. I thought that was interesting. So the first sermon he preached was about the church and the second sermon was about salvation. And then what's very interesting in here is that he also wrote down about tithing and giving. And um, I thought it was very powerful because when it came to tithing, he wrote down about how much like he, he tithed on a necktie, 10 cents. He tithed on a postage stamp, three cents. He tithed on rabbits. Evidently, they paid him in rabbits. Now, don't get any ideas. A <laughs> dollar five on rabbits. He got some candy, 35 cents. To the penny. Tells you a lot about my grandfather. And that whole commitment to loving God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, being completely committed to him down to the penny. Hmm. It's all there. Part of my grandfather's legacy. So here's the last thought for today about legacy. I did a funeral Thursday for a, a man by the name of Gary. I didn't know Gary. Gary came to our church for the last five or six years. Evidently, Gary loved our church. He loved me. Matter of fact, they asked me to come and said, can you please come and give him communion? So I went to hospice. I gave him communion like the week before. We did, we did that. And I got to know the theme a little bit. Gary could barely talk. But I prayed for Gary, told Gary I loved him, told him that Jesus loved him. The last thing I did was I kissed, I gave Gary communion and I kissed him on the forehead. So then um, I found out um, when I was visiting with the family, this is Gary's whole will and testament. There it is. And what's very interesting, so there's seven different lines, but the, the last line was actually something evidently I said that made an impression on him. I can't remember what I said last week, but this is what he remembered from years and years and years ago. He says, don't be sad at my passing and going on to heaven. I've had a better life than I ever expected and I will see you there. And then this is what he said. And this is what the family told me that he put in the will that something I said five years ago. My last breath here, my next breath with Jesus. Legacy. So how are we gonna measure our life? Hmm. I got a lot of diplomas over there. It's all going to garbage someday. I got five great kids. I, I've, got, I've got you all. I got my dad's Bible, my granddad's 
journal. I mean, those are all great things, right? So maybe our legacy is really not about, you know, all the stuff that maybe we have put so much emphasis on our lives, but maybe the most important thing is just sharing our love and getting what Moses said, let's get this right. Telling our children and our grandchildren we're supposed to love God with every ounce of our being and that be a reflection of our lives. And if we get that right, I'd say we got a pretty good legacy. Amen.